Hey, this is Keith Price, and I am so glad that you have become a part of the Keith Price's Curtain Call family. It is really great that you guys are enjoying it, and I really, really feel like I want to give you guys more and do more for you. And the only way that I can do more is if I can get a little bit of help from you. So what I would like to ask of you is that you check out, if you're listening to the podcast, to the Patreon page that I have started in which I'm asking that if you have an extra buck or two that you could throw over to the side once a month, I would be very appreciative. As time goes on and the more support that I can get and the more energy that I can create, behind this, it will give me the opportunity to reach more people. And the more people that love theater in the world makes the world a better place. So www.patreon.com slash Keith Price Curtain Call. Help a brother out. Come on now. Help a brother out. Thanks a lot. It was a miracle. It was a miracle. You are listening to Keith Price's Curtain Call. Wonder of wonders, miracle of miracles, God took a Daniel once again, stood by his side and miracle of miracles, walked him through the lion's den. Wonder of wonders, miracle of miracles, I was afraid that God would frown, but like he did so long ago in Jericho, this is Keith God Price, just and welcome back to another episode. Happy New Year. We are back here for Keith Price's Curtain Call, and I'm very, very excited because we're jumping off the new year with some new folks that are, you know, again, I I get very excited whenever I get phone calls from the publicists that are very friendly and wonderful to me that just say, hey, you know, I was just wondering, I've got this person, if you were interested in talking to them. I mean, you know, he's kind of somebody that you might know, I don't know, you might, I don't know. And when she tells me that the writer, director, and I, I hate to say character, actor, but I know that. Go ahead. I, well, I mean, I know that you have, that is, you know, that is where many people, when I say the name Austin Pendleton. Yes, I just dropped that name, Booyao, 2018, mm-hmm. poof. Um when I say a name like that, that's what I think of. I think of the many kinds of characters that you've been able to create over the years. But then when I go back and I do the little research and a little history, it's like you have made yourself a full-service, full-renaissance artist by writing and directing and performing and keeping that career <laughs> for, I mean, you, you know, we opened the show. I was going to say we opened the show. With a little bit of the Fiddler on the Roof original cast recording. Yeah. Guess who was on that, Mr. Austin Pendleton? Hello. Yeah. And how are you? Welcome to the <laughs> welcome to the curtain call. I'm, I'm fine. Thank you. I'm Thank so you. happy to have you yeah. here. This is really kind of exciting. And again, yeah. as I just said, you know, Austin Pendleton, I feel like we should be calling you Sir Austin Pendleton. Please, if, <laughs> if you do, I'll leave immediately. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, uh, you are you are staying vibrant and staying active. And, you know, one of the reasons why you're here today, which for me is, it's great to know that you're still performing, but to have you as Austin Pendleton. But there's a play that's coming up called Delta in the Sky with Diamonds, or maybe not. Mm -hmm. 
I used to maybe not. You have to do the head tilt. <laughs> yes, right. Yes. <laughs> Which is a new comedy that's being directed by Michael Patton. And we were talking about Michael Patton, who I luckily can say that I've seen something that he's directed before. So I, I feel like I'm now in the know, Mr. Middleton. Yeah. Um, what's it like for you to work on this new piece? Tell me about this piece for you, because you're playing God. Yeah, I'm playing God. Uh, well, the author is is June White. And um, I've worked with her once. She came to me once where I teach at HB Studio. I teach acting at HB Studio. Now a little bit I teach directing there. But anyway, a few years ago she came with a one-person show she was going to do. I didn't know her. And she asked me to coach her on it, both of her performance in it, coach her performance in it, and to give whatever thoughts I would have about the piece itself did it need any reshaping and so forth? So we worked on that. It was just another, it was a coaching job for me. And I liked her immediately. And she was very responsive to work with. And um, um, and then we did that and she did it. And it, she did a few performances of it on the Lower East Side. And I think elsewhere. And it turned out well. So that was nice. Then she came into my acting class after that. And... She demonstrated quite a range in the acting class, the kind of parts that she would she would work on and work on with some success. Then she came to me, what, I can't, I'm losing track of these, three, four years ago, maybe even a little more, I'm not sure, with this play in an early draft. So what she first wanted to go over with me was the script, because I'm a playwright also, yes. although I've, I hardly ever teach playwriting, but but um, but sometimes I do a little bit in in weekend workshops or something. But so but but she wanted me to talk her through this this new play, Delta in the Sky with Diamonds, or maybe not. So I would give some notes, and she would do rewrites. And there are a number of scenes in it between Delta, the title character, whom she plays, and God, because at the beginning of the play she shows up in a what used to be called purgatory and doesn't have a name right now where the decisions are made, you right. know. Before and, you go. What? Whichever direction you're going to go. Yeah, right, exactly. And where, and so she encounters me. And, I mean, the play is a comedy and a lot of it is very funny. On the other hand, the reason she's the big, the, the issue when she shows up is she has committed suicide in a somewhat outrageous way, but still suicide. Wow because of a, um, a combination of two traumatic events in her life. And she wants to know how God can excuse these traumatic things that have happened. So it gets there are passages in it, just two or three, where it gets for a moment or two pretty dark. But when it's not being that, a lot of it is very funny. So I like plays like that. Okay. And so over the years, we would meet maybe just on the average of a couple times a month, just on this play, and I would read it with her and give her more notes, and she would ask questions, and she would come with ideas about how to rewrite it and ask them what I th ask me what I thought. And uh, it just was evolving like that. And then um, all of a sudden, she said one day, oh, and, and all of these, I, I would read the part of God. The, the scenes between Delta and God occupy a little under half the play. So at one point in one of these rehearsals, I said, oh, I like this part. If you ever get it on, consider me for it. And so 
she got the money and she's putting this production up at the Shetler Studios right. on West 54th. So, and she she wanted to know about a director. And so I found her a director, Michael Patton, right. who is a director I respect a great deal and like a great deal. And um, so he's directing it. And that in itself is a pleasure. And so that's how this is happening. It just sort of evolved. Into this. Yeah, I mean, for the longest time, it was just her and me meeting and reading through the play and talking about the play. And at some point, me saying, hey, it'd be fun to play this part of God. Right. And and, um, so uh, fun and interestingly challenging, you know. So that's my history with the play. Wow. That's you know what I find fascinating is that it is through the the teaching portion of your career that you still manage to book a gig. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Actually, you know yes, what I mean? right, yeah. Right. In totally. the process of still trying to give and do and be of service to the craft, you yeah. end up still getting a gig. That's I a, sometimes, you know, I I studied, <laughs> I studied at HB Studio in the '60s. First with Uta Hagen, right, and then with her husband, her, who began the studio, Herbert Berghoff. Then with Uta again, then with Herbert again, and Herbert began to cast me in the plays he would direct there at the studio. And one day, out of the blue, he called me up. At this point, my connection with the studio had been a little under eight years. And he said, you want to teach? Uh, right out of the blue. I said, yeah. I mean, I had no idea. He, he meant teach acting, right. which is still almost entirely what I teach there. And I thought, well, okay. And I've been teaching there ever since I took one decade af- off after our child was born. Wow. And But uh, other than that, I've taught there since the very end of 1969. Okay. All right. So now there's the timeline now that you just laid for me by yeah. saying that. So you were teaching in New York at HB Studios in 1969. Yeah. You did Fiddler on the Roof 1964, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um and you were you were work just working working yeah. up until that point. Yeah. Before you decided to stop to teach or just the the moment of the, th- the notion of teaching came to you in that Well, it that came space. to me through Herbert Berghoff. Right. I never would have thought of it. And and the first thing I thought was, I I have no idea how to do this. But then I would remember that Uta Hagen, of course, was a great, great actress in addition to being a great teacher, um, that she she would watch a scene, and the first thing she would say to the students at the end of the scene was, and the beginning of her critique would be, what can you tell me? She would say that. And they would tell their feelings about the work they had just done. And from that, she would be able to begin to shape a critique of them that was appropriate to them. So I thought, I'm just going to do what Uta did, does. Because mm-hmm. um, she continued to teach there way into the way into the 2000s. Thousands, yeah. And um, uh, I said... I'll just do what Uta did. I'll say, what can you tell me? And as soon as I began to do that, I saw why she did it. You you start to learn you aren't just imposing some abstract idea right. or, or just giving a review of the scene. You're trying to get into what their process was. And what they're bringing into it. What they're bringing yeah. into it, how what they're bringing into it has worked for them, how it may have worked against them a little bit. And so she she would talk in the form of a dialogue. 
if you would teach in the form of a dialogue. So that's how I start to teach there. Wow. And I, I still do that. I say, what can you tell me? Well, so then you, but you know, you have this very long history. Like, like I was saying earlier about you being, to the the major masses of people, you're much more known as a character actor. I yeah. mean, is that, that's a fair Oh, yeah, oh, totally. Okay. Because I don't want to be insulting either. Because, you know, they, some oh, people they're... get very like, oh. I was a character actor. What do you mean? I, you know, oh, I that. trained at the so, and I'm like, I know, I know, but you yeah. were the guy with the funny hat. That's yeah, what they right, do. right. Yeah, you exactly. know, watch yeah. your blood pressure. I remember. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, and I think about that whole time. It's like, but you were working and teaching the whole this whole period. Yeah, I often think, what would my my relationship to the profession would have been, and the ups and downs of the profession, because they are like a roller coaster, would be much more unstable if I didn't teach. I can walk in in the morning to a class and be utterly stressed out and paranoid and everything um, about my professional life, about other aspects of my life, you know, whatever. 20 minutes into the class, I feel grounded. Mm Mm-hmm. It's the only one of the jobs I do that you think, at least, that you really know what you're doing. Every time you take a new role as an actor or take a new uh, new job as a director, you don't, you're never certain that you know what you're doing because <laughs> the rules change every time out. But the skill sets you need. Yes. But, and how to teach, and which, as I say, I learned from a combination of Uda and Herbert, and the one teacher I had outside the studio was... Uh, Robert Lewis, who was also a director, had been a Broadway director for many years, and he had his own way of teaching. So what I teach is kind of amalgam, an amalgam of the three well, of them. Well, then what is, what's your contribution to I that I have amalgam? no idea. <laughs> it's like when you make a soup, you, finally you don't know. That one is like, what was the exact amount of seasoning that I yeah, put in right, this? I yeah. don't remember. Damn I have it. no idea. And it'll never be the same again. Yeah. I love that. I love it. So you know, it's funny because, again, like I said, you know, you have this long history. You, yeah. It's just, it's interesting because I was, you know, like I was funning with you earlier before we started and I was telling you and your publicist about how my, one of my most vivid introductions to you is in the movie, <laughs> What's Up Doc? Oh, I love that movie. And... I love it. I was talking about that film to a friend of mine, and I was saying, mm-hmm. you know, that Madeline Kahn oh, was yeah. one of those, to me, misunderstood or underrated comedic actresses. Mm-hmm. Like, she should have just been even bigger than she was. I always thought as a comedic <coughs> actress. And then I was, like, going through your history, and I was like, you've worked with some pretty fabulous people. Oh, yeah. I must say, Mr. Some... Character Actor. Yeah. You've been dipping and well, doing Well, see, it. that's an advantage of being a character actor. You get a wider range of parts, and therefore you end up, I mean... Because I mean, the, the real definition of a character actor is you, you're not you're you're playing the character. You don't just keep playing the same thing. Right. So that makes you open to different jobs. A lot of them are comedies. Not all of them are, yeah. but some. But a lot of them are. I mean, and you. I mean, and s- some great people, some not so great characters. I mean, that were kind of bad. And just, I mean, you've had a a wonderful range of things as an actor, and then you still have time to teach and direct and perform. Yeah, well, I teach five classes a week at HP. Three of them are on Monday, which is almost always the day off in the theater. 
One, the other, the other two are in the mornings. One on Sunday morning, one on Tuesday morning. So I get all my teaching done in those three days. So, and both, and if I'm rehearsing for something or something like that in New York, Sunday and Tuesday, I say just don't call me into the early afternoon. Right. And and the three classes on Monday, as I say, that's virtually always the day off in theater. In theater. Yeah. Wow. So it wasn't like it, it's easy to fit that into, to. Um, to a work schedule. And I mean, and, and the grace, though, that you have had with the people that you've had the chance to work with. I mean, you've not only the actors and actresses that I was just thinking about, but you also had these great directors. Yeah. So did you learn from these great directors? Oh, God, yeah. What's what's one of the big what's one of the big challenges? Because, I mean, film and stage are so different anyway. So what what was one of the biggest things that is very common with both? film and and well stage. acting is basically acting right. whether it's film or tv the the basic skill set is the same the fact that it's a different set of skills sometimes gets a little exaggerated it, it's basically playing a scene truthfully and convincingly right you have to speak a little a bit louder if you're in the theater but not that much <laughs> you know and uh you um and you get to rehearse more in the theater right uh but other than that, it's the same job. Right. But as, but as a director, though, it's a different, kind of a different animal, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm very attentive to actors as a director because I'm an actor. Right. So it doesn't seem as different as anything else. Because often with any, any good director, no matter how strong a director the director is, there's a lot of collaborative work going on in the room between the director and the actors. And um, partic partic and the greater the director, the more that's true. Even people who have a very strong controlling vision, like Jerome Robbins, right. who directed the first two things I was in, and Otto Preminger, mm -hmm. and the director of the first film I was in, and Peter Bogdanovich. You know, all the Peter Bogdanovich, all those people. Yeah, and um, and others not as well known, but the really fine ones. It's very collaborative with the actors. So it's just your on other side of the collaboration, if you're directing than if you're acting, but it's still this. Mm -hmm. The the collaboration has the same content. I I mean I'm just looking at you, and when you just you know Otto Preminger, yeah, just, the name just I drops loved out. him. I like, loved him. <laughs> I just, just I, loved him. I, you know to to hear that yeah. name coming out of someone. Yeah, I worked with him. It was great. It was fun. It was I fabulous. was I, like, yeah. how fantastic. I mean, like you. I mean, do you actually ever stop and think about your career? I mean, as as someone that does what I'm doing, I have to look at everything that I get a chance to see and read. And if I'm lucky enough to have witnessed things, it, it's all a, a thing to keep up with what you're doing. But like, do you really ever stop and think about it? I mean, like, I I mean, I can pull up your your IBDB alone. <laughs> And just be like, geez, Louise. But then you go to your IMDb and you're like, geez, Louise. I mean, you are, what is it that keeps you doing this? I like it. You do? I really like it. And see, something else is that I, I've never cared where I worked. I do a lot of showcases. Yeah. You know, where you rehearse for a month and then you do 16, 20 performances. Because every time I've been doing a lot of them um, in the last couple of years, uh, because you have to keep in practice 
if you're acting, and you have to keep in practice. And I do a lot of showcases as a director. I also do occasionally Broadway, okay. a fair amount of off, off Broadway, um, and whatever movies come along. But um, as an actor, I mean. But I don't care which of those kind of venues, including the showcase venue, where I work. So, and often you do showcases and it leads to um, professional engagement on a more um, mm -hmm. recognizable level. But, it, it, but I don't hope that it will. <laughs> to be perfectly honest with you, in 1978, my acting career in New York fell apart. Right. I did three shows in a row at Brooklyn Academy of Music, and it, I got catastrophic reviews. And until then, I'd had, just like everyone, I'd had some bad reviews occasionally. Mm -hmm. But this was like a relentless onslaught. Of, and for quite a while, it kind of ended my acting career in New York. Wow. And, and, um, and Lynn Redgrave, who was a friend of mine, when the third set of reviews came out, when I, all this was at the Brooklyn Academy of Music. She said, before you got to Brooklyn tonight, the day, the late afternoon of the third show opening, mm -hmm. why don't we, let me take you to the Russian Tea Room. And she said, uh, you know, you, uh, you're in a situation, this is the kind of thing that my father, who was Michael Redgrave, mm -hmm. and they're, they're, his friends John and Ralph, you know, mm -hmm. as she called them, they would have these things because they were always trying very challenging, ambitious things. And sometimes they couldn't carry them off and they would get murdered. But it was always understood in London that no matter what, you'll be on the stage next season. Right. She said, that's not true here in New York. Right. You're going to really take a hit with this. So I'm telling you to A, expect it, and B, just go wherever you can find work. Wow. That, that was an incredible hour wow. we spent together. And so I got on the train that to, uh, the subway to go out to Brooklyn that night. Our, our lunch was like at 4 o'clock or something. And I felt energized. I thought, oh, okay. Mm -hmm. So... That was that, I, I think back over my life, and that late lunch or whatever you want to call it, um, I directed her in a play in Chicago and we'd had a meeting that it might come to New York. It didn't, as a matter of fact. And she'd won some awards for it out there. Mm -hmm. so, so it was at that meeting. She mm -hmm. said, I read your reviews this morning. Let's have a late lunch. Wow. And God, that just put everything in perspective for me. Wow. That's just amazing. go where the work is. Don't let them you may you you may not be and for years i couldn't even get auditions for most productions in new york i would call up and say to the casting directors whom i knew from previous years could i get an audition for this and the poor people would go oh oh and they would make excuses mm -hmm. obviously they were told don't let him in the door wow. it was like dramatic wow. and and uh and um then gradually the jobs in the Broadway level and the off-Broadway level began to come back. But that's when I learned showcase. So when word got out that I was available, to put it mildly, mm -hmm. I would, some of these little companies that would do little showcase productions, I began to get calls like, would I like to play Hamlet? <laughs> and parts like that, Richard III, which I never would have been asked to play in the mainstream. <laughs> And I was like, wait, this is cool. This is an opportunity. This is really exciting. I would never have even 
I even thought of doing this. Wow. And and um, so um, it turned into, but it was Lynn who helped get my head straight about all this. Wow. The work, she didn't use this phrase, but what her clear implication was, what she learned from her father and his compatriots was, the work is what's important. Right. You'll go through bad times and good times. You'll be liked. You'll be loathed. Mm-hmm. You'll be out of totally, wildly out of favor. Right. You know, and she says, as I said, she said it's way worse in New York than in London. The psychology of that. And so, have a good time. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So that's informed my whole work ethic ever since. I mean, I do work all the time, but three quarters of that is things like showcases. That's amazing. It it gives the impression of constantly working. It gives the correct impression of being constantly on the move. But it also, too, if you, especially if you're doing new pieces like something like Delta in the Sky with Diamonds, maybe not. You're actually getting to use your creative energies in something that's brand new. Yeah. Which regardless... A whole lot lot of the showcases I do, either as an actor or director, are new works. Right. Or else they're Hamlet. Right. You know. know. I love that, Mr. Pendleton. That's fabulous. I was going to say, I should have asked you about working with Elizabeth Taylor and Joanne Woodward. Oh, these, these are all great. Folks. Like, I mean, again, like I said earlier, it's like when you stop and you just like, you know, you just make a check You mark. mentioned two people just now who never acted like stars. With you? Not at all. They were, I mean, when I did, when I worked with Joanne, it was like working with another actor. Mm-hmm. And when I worked with Elizabeth, she showed up rehearsal every day like everybody else. And she was just one of the group. Wow. I very rarely worked with somebody who acted, acted like a star, even including, for example, Barbara Streisand. Which I was going to say, wait, you know? No, she's she's like that, too. Yeah. She's just very direct. She's just down there with you. I love if that. If you can't act opposite Barbara Streisand, yeah. as my friend, the late Roscoe Lee Brown would put it. Oh, if, wow. A great actor. If you can't act with, he said, if you can't act with, with with so and so, he named some mm-hmm. great actor. You should perhaps seek vocational guidance. <laughs> if you can't act with Barbara Streisand, when she's off camera, she mm. gives you so much. Wow! You just have to look at her and respond. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. So that was part of the reason that What's Up Doc was such a, a good experience. Wow! Yeah. Oh, Mr. Pendleton, I can talk to you forever, but you got rehearsals. No. You've got yeah. well, you got a showcase. You, you got a thing happening. You've got Delta in the Sky with diamonds, yeah, yeah. or maybe not. Yeah, right. I, I feel like I have to add the pause of, or maybe not. I think you're on <laughs> something. Yeah. yeah, that's gonna start. Uh, previews begin January 25th, yeah. and it opens January 20th, 28th, and continues right through February 10th. So if you're making your plans to come to New York City, and again, this is one of those opportunities like I always try to tell you. When you're coming to New York City, I know the pull of Hamilton. It it just, it's it's overwhelming. Hamilton is brilliant. It's brilliant. Yeah. But you're not going to get a ticket for another five years. So yeah. slow your roll. Mm-hmm. In the interim, if you manage to make it to New York City, yeah, right. you're looking for some interesting theater, yeah. you want to see something new, you want to see legendary talent, hello, yeah. I'm just going to give you a moment, let me have a moment for you, Mr. Benson. But again, you can come to New York City and see Delta in the Sky with Diamonds, 
or maybe not. And and experience something new. I'm I'm actually excited. It's like as you've given me the little inside to this, and now that I know that the, the director has directed something that I've seen, and I've, I'm feeling like yeah. if any of his energy that he's, was in that piece is in this, yeah, totally. This he's, is going to be a fun he, ride. He's the real deal. This is going to be anybody a fun who ride. David Cromer would bring into town, which is where he met Michael, mm-hmm. and Michael, I guess, was assistant to David Cromer, and uh, I think in Kansas City. Cromer brought him into town, began introducing him around as a director. Anybody who David Cromer trusts that much, I automatically trust that much. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Well, you heard it here now. See, Austin Pendleton even likes the person that he's working with. Come on now. That's, you know what I mean? Like, he doesn't have to put up with no crap from this young director guy. He's, he's freaking Austin Pendleton, you know what I'm saying? But he's, he's willing to work with them. Well, it's like, it's like that you want to work with gifted people, whether they're Michael Padden, who's beginning, or legendary people, you know, but the thing. Like yourself. Well, (laughs) yeah, that's the the thing about this business. One day you wake up and, uh, and suddenly the word, the word legend appears. I know, right? What, what, what happened during the night? That, you know, <laughs> that I went from just being fabulous to legendary. No, just being, you know, <laughs> just being struggling the struggle, you know. But it's a testament, though. That's a fantastic testament to a staying in it, especially if you're supposed to be there, and not for nothing. And I know this is going to sound really weird, but yo, you, you you did have your fallback job as a teacher, but it yeah. wasn't as because of being a fallback job, if that makes sense. Oh, that's totally true. You know what I mean? It's totally true. It's like you stay completely connected through the process. It stabilizes you. Right. Well, I mean, at least it helps give you some options to be able to perform the way you'd like to be able to yeah. perform. And that's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, gosh, Mr. Pendleton, thank you so much for hanging out with me. This was fabulous. Thank you. So you guys got to come to New York and see Austin Pendleton. You need to just get on the Google, honey, and IMDB. <laughs> get your IBDBs on, and you will be amazed at the amounts of, just the crazy, insane amounts of things that this man has managed to harness as a career, which is fantastic. And still working. Boom, y'all. That's how this is done. So thank you again. Thanks, fantastic. God has given you to me. Look for Keith Price's Curtain Call on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play Music, and now Mixcloud.